Well, welcome everybody to the Timmy Gibson Show. I have a very special guest here with me today. Uh, are we, would we be considered ex-family members? Is that what we would be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were we were linked by a connection here or there at some point, but uh, you know, we've you know, it's funny. I, it's been like. Um, Oh, it's been 30 years, something like that. It has 25 been. years. It has like been. That, so, so uh, on 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 the uh, phone, I have Seth Andrews with us, and he is. What's the name of your podcast? Is it the Thinking Atheist? Yeah, I, it's called the Thinking Atheist. I always like to clarify that I am not the Thinking Atheist. Right, it, it, the Thinking Atheist is an icon. And it is a reflection of my own journey. I, you know, I was a devout evangelical, and we can get into that. But I, uh, I came out of a faith culture, you know, kind of a uh, believe first and seek the evidence later, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. And I, I, I came out of that thinking, you know, I, I'm not satisfied with that. I think, you know, I, I don't want to just believe. I want to know. I want to think about these things and give myself permission uh, to you know, not feel guilty or broken or sinful for tapping on the glass and saying, hey, wait a minute, does this make sense? And so the thinking atheist was kind of born of that. Uh, not all atheists are thinkers. There are a lot of right. irrational people, <laughs> religious and otherwise. And so I think that's more of it's kind of a goal. You know, let's all just let's just kind of engage brain and kind of see where that uh, trail of breadcrumbs takes us. So, And that's definitely what led me away from uh, evangelical Christianity. You know, Seth, I was uh, served 30 years as an evangelical pastor and I, you know, I, I left that. I don't do that anymore. I, I don't believe most of it. Um, you know, just, I, I, I remember having these, as I became a, a more of a reader, and, and more uh, became a more a critical thinker. There were just things I was like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, there's no yeah. way I can fucking <laughs> believe that. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't believe that, yeah. you know? And, and I, and I jokingly say this because I realize I come from a very Pentecostal non thinking, you know, check your brain at the fucking door kind of a, a faith. And so clearly for me personally, you know, I'm on a journey. I wouldn't consider myself an atheist, but I wouldn't, I'm definitely not an evangelical Christian. Uh, I really, I really don't know where I am. You know, I, I literally had someone just ask me the other day cause they listened to my podcast and they're like, uh, I'm getting the sense that you don't believe that in the immaculate conception. <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> number one, I have no fucking idea. I wasn't there. There's no proof of it. So yeah, I, I kind of lean towards, I'm not really sure if that's necessary. You know, do I believe Jesus existed? Well, I mean, that's up for debate too. I, I think he did. I think he was a person of history, but I'm not thinking he was God. So, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I might as well be an atheist, Seth, because it, the, the criticisms, <laughs> the criticisms and the arrows and the stones that have been thrown at me, I've been considered a, a called a false prophet, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, but I, yeah. I still kind of well, have know, my toe in there. It's it's it reminds me of when uh, a popular pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Carlton Pearson of Higher Dimensions, yeah. he had come to the conclusion, like like um, I think Rob Bell had that you know they they rejected the idea of hell, like the idea of uh, benevolent, all just God. 
burning people forever and ever you know <laughs> depart from me all you who are cursed into a lake of everlasting fire and damnation and and they began to look at it through the moral lens objectively and thought this makes no sense you know hell is it's like i you know i like to walk up to devout believers who hold to a literal bible and a literal hell and i'm like is there any point when your child would disappoint you enough where you would douse them in gasoline and set them on fire. And of course, they're just horrified by right. that. You know, well, of course not. I like to use the story of Abraham and Isaac. If God came to you and said, stick a knife in your son's chest, and you believed it was a legitimate command, would you do it? And the vast majority, there have been a few terrifying exceptions, but <laughs> the vast majority are like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would never do that. And what we're seeing is people who are making moral judgments outside of the book that is supposedly the foundation for all morality. And I'm like, you just made a moral judgment on right. your own. Right. What is that? So what, what are we doing here? You know, and, and when you do that, I think when you start thinking for yourself, there's a kind of panic that kicks in. A lot of people, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe they're love is a little more conditional than they would like to admit. So, hey, agree with me or else I will judge you. I think there are other people who maybe harbor some deep doubts of their own that they've brushed aside, they're ignoring. And so when they see somebody like you and somebody like me who might be giving ourselves permission to take a couple of extra steps in that direction and say, hey, let's get serious. Maybe that's scary. You know, yeah. what if it, here's a great example. I, I saw a debate. And there was an atheist and a rabbi, and they were debating the truth of the Bible, et cetera. And I was still a Christian at the time. <laughs> and I watched this mostly out of curiosity. And then at the end of it, I thought, the guy I'm supposed to oppose and disagree with made more sense than the guy <laughs> I'm supposed to. And that's a scary place. So, I mean, I, I've experienced what you're experiencing. You know, a lot of people, it's almost a shoot the messenger kind of a deal. I don't know what your perspective is. On yeah. It, but, uh, well, yeah, that, that you brought up the, the, the big turning point for me, and it's been a progressive journey. It's been going on. I would say I've been evolving probably the last 10 years. There's been this, you know, I, I was an early adopter of gay marriage. And so, you know, that that put me in the doghouse. You know, I was embracing yeah. gays and, and saying that I didn't think it was sin, that if God, you know, if there is a God and he actually did create them, how in the fuck can he judge them for how he fucking created them? That doesn't even make any sense. And so, you know, so I started turning the corner early on with with that and then of course you know the whole did jonah get swallowed by a whale fuck no or a big fish whatever no like i just slowly but surely there were things that that started not lining up with either rational critical thinking or that what what we were discovering and learning with science and archaeological stuff yeah. i'm like okay if Adam and Eve were the first two fucking humans and that was 7000 years ago how in god's name have we found civilizations that existed 50 fucking thousand years ago. Okay. Explain this to me. Right. And that, well, you know, the, you can't trust carbon dating or, you know, whatever fucking backflips and, and aerial sure magic tricks you a, have to try to perform a day to the Lord. One day to God is like a million <laughs> years to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, I, I am, you know, it's interesting. I've come to the point when I have, 
become very convinced that a lot of believers simply believe in belief. You know, they, they few, like when I was a devout Christian, I thought I knew my Bible, but I had not really been meaningfully challenged. And so when you go back and you see people, I mean, who quote the Bible to excuse bigotry or even the dehumanization against gay people. Right. And you're like, well, you're, you're drawing that from the Bible. This is the talking animals book, man. You know, this is the book that says that people live to be a thousand and that there were supermen who gained power based on the length of their hair and that there were giants and, you know, supernatural beings having sex with women to produce the Nephilim creatures. And, you know, you had blood magic and all this stuff that if we read it in the Quran or the Vedas or Harry Potter, we'd be like, no way. But because we were, raised by people who taught it to us often from our earliest memories as truth, not to be questioned, but to be embraced as truth. We use a different set of standards for it. Uh, Dr. John Loftus is an ex-believer with a background in theology. He calls this the outsider test for faith. You know, we, we defer to our own religions while demanding that all the competing religions present the evidence. Man, you're going to have to demonstrate that. But for me, it's faith, right? right? Facts for you, faith for me. And I became very aware of my own protective mechanisms that had kind of guarded. Uh, and that takes us back to hell. You know, hell's a great mechanism for control. You yeah. scare people and tell them that, you know, if you don't want to get this one wrong, pal, you're going to burn forever. I mean, that's a hugely effective way to keep people from challenging, you know, the priesthood and the dogma and the holy books and the whole structure of a specific religion. Yeah. Have you, did you ever see that movie religiosity? Yeah, I did. I mean, there's a couple of things that are wrong with it, but overall I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I thought it was a, a refreshing approach critical approach to Christianity. It, it was. I mean, he, he definitely, his, uh, the one thing I've appreciated about you and I've listened to your podcast. And of course I, you know, I've known you for years is that I would consider you, I mean, I like the thinking atheist t- title, but I, I really like the compassionate atheist, to be honest. Uh, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be a more of a, a title that I would give you just because you're sometimes atheists can be so hateful and, and so just so angry. <laughs> it's like, and I get it, you know, and I get it. I, I, I saw myself, you know, when I was sliding away from, from religion, I mean, there was definitely, I was flipping the bird at it, like, fuck you and everybody that believes that <laughs> bullshit, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, but yeah. the big one for me, the, the, the big, like, what was the final straw for me to, to definitely leave the evangelical church? Was I was talking to a neighbor friend of mine that was a fucking off the charts, you know, right wing conservative, uh, nearly a snake handling kind of a, a Christian. And, you know, the Bible was 100 percent literal and, and written by God and all that. And uh, they, my neighbors, uh, they were a neighbor on the other side. And on the other side of me, I had a Hindu family. And my son at this time, he was like 10. He was hanging out with their son. And they asked me you know, is your son witnessing to this family because, you know, they're going to go to hell. And I was just like, that kind of tweaked me. And then they said, aren't you worried that their son will have an influence on your son and, you know, take him out of, out of his salvation. (laughs) And I remember just thinking to myself, 
you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be kidding me. Like this is so fucked up. And this family was the sweetest family in the world. This Hindu family, they were so generous, so kind and so loving. And I just had this epiphany. I just had this, like I, I awaken this awakening moment of there's no way that if there is a heaven and if there is a hell, which I really don't believe in those things anymore, but if there is, there's no way that God's going to send this family to hell simply because their faith is a different faith than mine. And then I said, and this is, this is blasphemy right here, Seth. I said, and if that is, if that is how God set it up, fuck him like that. If that's how he set <laughs> yeah. this shit up, it, that's not just, that's not right. That's not fair. That's fucked up. So you have to be born in America and, and be born in a Southern Baptist home to be able to spend eternity in heaven. But if you're born anywhere else in the world, you're fucked. I had a, a family lived next to me and they were all devout Mormons, six kids, you know, the stereotypical Mormon family. And like, as a devout believer at the time, I was supposed to oppose them you know it's kind of that i don't know the platitudes that sort of condescending will hate the sin but love the sinner kind of a, an attitude that i had and um and they were the best people i mean moral to their core they were the most generous amazing family and and so you know uh, perhaps that's when the seeds began to become planted that you know there is goodness for its own sake, that was goodness across the board in humanity. And, you know, you spoke to sometimes the hardness of many atheists. I, I get the anger of a lot of people who are being ostracized. I mean, we live in a, in a culture now in the United States when, you know, the non-believer is being blamed for all of the problems in the world. You know, you've got the sure. pulpit pounders who were looking for a villain. You've got people cast off from their families. I've had college students whose parents canceled their college tuition payments because, you know, they rejected God. And it was kind of this financial and emotional blackmail. And so there's a healthy anger, but I totally get what you're saying about there, you know, there is a flavor of people that have become very unfair to the religious because you know they put them in a box they're not sh really seeing our shared values as human beings sure and that's a missed opportunity like you know if you know my wife believes in god she's not a really devout person but yeah. she and i have shared values we both love people we both love to laugh we love we want to make the world a better place you know we think every moment of this life needs to be lived to the fullest right. now i we have a disagreement on the God question, but there's no reason we would ever be enemies. And those are, I think, some missed opportunities sometimes when human beings become tribal. Sure. And we see it within, within Christianity, right? I mean, you've got the Pentecostals and they're divided with the Baptists, divided with the Lutherans, divided with the non-denominational. You know, we tend to sort of put up the wall and say, well, we're our pod and they're the other. Right. How many times have we missed opportunities to perhaps see ourselves as part of the human condition and find what we share? And often what we'll discover is that we have more in common than we ever had in disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why I, I resonated with you. So I, I have a couple of questions for you, Seth. There's there's I, I have a, a, another a friend of mine that's atheist, but he's a he's a newer atheist. So he's not really sure why and what, but he just he's an atheist. Um, 
So where was the, what was the turning? Like, what was the day that you're like, Nope, I no longer believe in a God. <laughs> and then, you know, you said something about, about proof and, you know, critical thinking. And, you know, for me, I, I, and this is what I've said, unless you have some evidence that I don't know about, I've always said that, that genuinely, and I mean this sincerely, you know, maybe you're right and I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. And you're wrong. I don't know. Like yeah. ultimately when someone asks me if there's a God, I say, well, here's the honest answer. I don't know. Full stop. That's it. Now I'll tell you what I think or what I believe or how I feel. Um, but, and I've always said that I don't think an atheist has proof of God's of not existing and I don't have proof that he does exist and we're kind of at an impasse. So, um, that's why when I told you off mic, I said, you know, this is definitely not going to be a debate because like you might be right. I don't know. I really don't. So, but I mean, what was whatever, the, you know? yeah, but what was the turning point for you where you finally clicked over and said, I'm atheist. And then what, what are the things that you are like, this is what convinces me that there is no God. Yeah. Well, you know, it was probably a death by a thousand cuts. You know, one of the first chinks in the armor came when my best friend came out to me as gay in the mid nineties. And I, you know, we didn't talk for a year and it was my fault because I, you know, I thought he's in rebellion against God. And finally, you know, a year later, the obvious hit me that I missed him and he was still an amazing, beautiful guy and that I was probably the problem. So I think maybe that was one of the first times I started to, you know, cafeteria plan the Bible. Well, I'll just right. ignore the gay, the anti-gay <laughs> verses. You know? I'll just, let's just, so then I I was kind of writing my own Bible, like, oh, I'll just skip these inconvenient parts, you know. Um, there was the death of a Christian recording artist. I was a Christian radio host for 12 years, and Rich Mullins was uh, a guy known for singing the song Awesome God. He was horribly killed in a car wreck in 97, and I was on the air, you know, trying to give words of comfort. He's in a better place. God called him home. One day we'll all be reunited. But I became acutely aware that um you know I, this doesn't feel right i feel like we are constructing a happy ending to a terrible tragedy 9 11 was big for me you know everybody's invoking god and including the islamist who smashed into the world trade center and right. after that i think there's something about getting older you, know, you, you hit yeah. your 30s and 40s and i think you become a little less I don't know. You be, you're less interested in making other people happy or keeping them keeping them comfortable. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like when I was in my 20s, I'm like, well, don't make waves. Right. But when you get older, you start to think. I think, well, why why am I not making waves? Like this is legit. <laughs> why am I? And I think I started to give myself permission to say what I was thinking. And uh, when I was 37, I, I read the Bible again, not like a love letter, but I began to read it again objectively. And I just found myself thinking, well, that's not right. And I can't condone this. And this is genocide. And holy God, somebody's somebody's sacrificing their daughter on the altar and Yahweh accepts the human sacrifice. And over here, they're, I mean, it, none of it made any sense to me. Uh, the idea of inherited sin, Adam and Eve were disobedience when God set them up for failure, an omniscient God who knows everything past, present, and future created this plan knowing, foreknowing it was going to fail. And, you know, he created hell. And I mean, we could spend all day sure. on this stuff. And, and it was in uh, 2008 that I finally said, you know, I just don't buy it. Now, I don't like to say I know there is no God. I, I, I think that in terms of theistic gods, like I know 
the, the Christian God has been debunked. Like we can go through and we can say that those specific claims, there's no reason to believe them. And a lot of reasons disbelieve them. Even if there was a guy, Jesus, that walked the earth, this notion that he was a deity and did all these things, there's no reason to buy that. Sure. And Allah and Krishna and all that. So I'm more comfortable saying I I don't think they they those gods didn't exist. Right. But as far as the idea of God in the abstract, you know, some mover, shaker, watchmaker, prime mover, God, I always like to say this. I just say I'm not convinced. Right. You know, I, I I am at a point where I, I don't believe it. But if you show up and you give me good reasons to believe it, if I'm going to live an honest life, man, I've got to be prepared to change my mind yeah. and say, OK. And then after that, after we've established that there is a God, then we get into, well, is it a benevolent God or is it a, a malevolent God? Is it worthy of our allegiance and worship? Even does it even care enough right. to want our allegiance? You know, there's a lot of this. The deistic claim, not to blather on, buddy, I'm sorry, but no, no, it's good. Uh, um, you know, there's this sort of assumption about the deistic position, which is like, well, I think there's something out there. And there's this assumption that we make that, well, that God's automatically going to be good. But I'm like, well, hang on. If you, if you look <laughs> around and we see just the sheer amount of suffering in the world and we see 25,000 people will starve to death today and there's no cure for cancer and you got birth defects and you got domestic violence and child rape and all the suffering that's happening you got animals that eat each other alive you know i mean just it, it, has anyone stopped to consider well okay fine let's say there's a god that spun the cosmos into existence dude he might be like the guy who's playing the sims video game who puts his characters in terrible situations just to watch to see what they would do. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, so, I mean, there's a lot of qu God questions that come after, uh, you know, does a, a higher power exist? But at the end of the day, for me, I just say I'm not convinced and I encourage you to convince me. Yeah. Personal experience won't do it. Quoting an anonymously penned holy book won't do it. And here's the bottom line for me, and this is my exclamation point on the, the answer to your question. People will often ask me, what would it take to convince you that there is a God? And my response is, well, if that God knows everything, that God already knows exactly what it would take to <laughs> convince me. I mean, that, right? That God already knows. He knows exactly what would convince me to believe in him and love him and worship him. And so the, the burden is still on God to manifest in a way that I can understand, appreciate, and accept. So you know, I, I find that's the most satisfying approach. If a God is out there and he knows everything, he knows exactly what I need to become right. a follower of God. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting, uh, perspective on i never thought of it in that way that god you know if there is a god and he knows all things then he would know exactly what it would take the the yeah. one of the big turning points for me uh, and it's funny i don't know what i think about certain things until someone asks me and then my brain starts going and someone asked me recently do i believe in a personal god and i uh man i struggled with that because i said you know not really in the sense of that he's actually like, if I said, Hey, you know, God, and he was like, Oh, Hey, Timmy, what's up? You know, what do you need today? Like, I just don't yeah. uh, uh, view it like that. And I definitely don't believe in the, in a personal God that, because if there is, there seems to be such, 
you know, the Bible teaches, right, that, that God's no respecter of persons. Like, fuck bullshit. I mean, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just, it's just, it's like, wait, that doesn't make sense at all. Because clearly in scripture, uh, he is very fucking partial, uh, very partial to, to his people and very partial to certain things. And so that just didn't make sense either. Uh, so, I, I'm, I'm at this point, I, I say, nah, I'm not really, I don't really necessarily believe in a personal God. I definitely don't believe in, in the God that I grew up believing in, yeah. you know, the, the, the one of the, of the Bible, um, you know, kind of where I'm at now is that, well, I, 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 I get sick really based on what you just said. I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm the one that's like, I think there's something out there. I, I, and for me, the, the, there is no evidence. I just find and this is an old thing you've probably heard this said before, but it's something I say because it just resonated with me. If I was walking through the forest and I stumbled upon a, a Rolex watch, I, I wouldn't for a second assume that after millions and billions in, of years and evolution that that fucking thing just, uh, you know, was just came out of the dirt. And yeah. so I that's the part where where I struggle. The What keeps me from going atheist is that there seems to be as much chaos as there is, there seems to be so much um, design in my opinion, just in my, in, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, it's like, there seems to be so much design, so much, so many things that are so intricate. And so, I don't know. It, I find that that's the part that keeps me from going all the way is there's just, yeah. in my opinion, again, just so much beauty with the ugliness, but there is so much beauty and potential and love that I experience that it's, it's like, it's like, it just keeps me on the edge. You know, I do, I, of course, you know, I cuss like a fucking sailor now, you know, and, and that's, <laughs> which yeah. has been part of well, my, you know. part of my journey too. I'm just, because I'm, you know, I'm 52. I, and I'm covered in tattoos, my hands, my fingers. I haven't done my face yet, but I've considered it. And because I just don't <laughs> give a fuck. I don't, give a fuck what anybody thinks anymore. Finally, that's what led me. I've always had questions about Christianity. I always thought there were so many things that didn't make sense that were like, that's fucking bullshit. There's no way a man built a fucking ship that big and put two of every fucking animal on. The that's so ridiculous, yeah. you know, but then yeah. I, I didn't realize that there were other belief systems, like you mentioned earlier, you know, the Episcopalians don't agree with the Pentecostals and the Pentecostals don't believe in the Baptists. And, you know, there's all these different groups. And then I started realizing, oh, shit, like you can actually quasi be a, a Christian-ish and not believe that those stories are real. Oh, like, yeah. OK, I didn't even know that. Like, I thought that that was the definition of being a Christian is that you had to believe these stories that were fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some of that is, is uh, I think religions evolved to survive. You know, I think, you know, if you had practiced that kind of, well, some of it's metaphor and some of it's for yesterday and some of it's for today. I mean, try that a few hundred years ago and they would have burned you at the stake, you know, that right. kind of thing. I mean, it, we've come to a point where, you know, religions are kind of evolving to survive. You know, it's like creationism. Now, when you see that the Catholic Church and the Pope has to come forward and say, well, actually, we do accept the overwhelming <laughs> facts of evolution, <laughs> but it's guided evolution. I mean, you know, this is, I think, one of the ways that religions try to say relevant. As far as design, you know, it's funny. Douglas Adams, the author, 
has a great analogy where, you know, there's water in a pothole and the water says, wow, this pothole seems like it's perfectly designed just for me. It's shaped just for me. It's, you know, and I think a lot of times when we look at how the universe has sort of evolved and, and, and how life has evolved, we often will see patterns and we'll see complexity and those types of things. And because we're pattern seeking mammals, we often see design. But I think we also, and that's totally valid to look around and see how you know, these amazing mechanisms work. But it's also, I think, important to look at all of the examples of core design. I mean, we we see blind creatures with eyes. We see flightless birds with wings. We see deaf creatures with ears. We have uh, redundant DNA or junk DNA. We have a sun that gives us cancer. Uh, we see natural disasters, you know, the earth swallows us up and sinkholes, tsunamis drown 300,000 people at a time. You know, there's right. there's a lot of, of this stuff that if we're going to give God the credit for the beautiful born baby, we then have to ask him, will someone explain, uh, you know, the, the hurricane that wipes out entire coastlines? Right. Thing? And, and uh, you know, child leukemia and that type of stuff. There's there's a lot of beauty and wonder in the world. For my part, I have decided or come to the conclusion that that it's, it, you know, we see the result of billions of years of evolution. And, uh, you know, if you're going to tell me that everything's perfectly designed, that's amazing. But also you're going to have to explain why 99 percent of all animals that ever lived have gone extinct. Yes, yes. There's a there's a lot of that kind of stuff that, that I think, well, yeah. Plus, we have to, to say that often the best designs are not the most complicated. The engineers find that the best designs are reduced to the simplest version. You know, they don't have all the unnecessary gears in them. So when we look at the complexity of the world, we say, well, is it necessary complexity? There's a great example of the giraffes off of the larynx, but it goes down to the heart, wraps around the heart, goes back up. It only needs to travel 12 inches, but the giraffe has a 14-foot laryngeal nerve. Well, this makes no, it's terrible design. Right. But if you look at it as evolved from other creatures, then it begins to make a lot more sense. And, you know, these are just, you know, whatever the answer is, these are just the types of examinations that I encourage people to give themselves permission to to do you know it's okay it's okay yeah. if it doesn't make sense you're not broken there's no reason to feel sinful or weak or guilty sure. to 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 say i want i want to live in a world where i things are making more sense and i think we're all on a journey so i don't care what people call themselves i don't get hung up on the labels i think the biggest thing is are you living your life honestly are you taking the journey with integrity honestly have you given yourself permission to be an authentic person? I, I think that's the most important question to ask. Well, and that's also the the thing that has brought me the most peace. I think a lot of my my friends or maybe former friends, you know, people that have finally stopped trying to, you know, save me or, you know, bring me back to the fold. And I, you know, I finally had to tell a lot of my friends, hey, I'm not coming back. It, it's like this isn't. I'm not in a bad phase <laughs> like this is I, I'm moving onward and upward and evolving in my understanding of, of where I'm at and the questions that I've always struggled with and had in my hand or in my heart, you know, and for me, I think being able to to allow myself to no longer be 
trapped or put in a box, uh, I feel I, I'm more at peace now than ever before. I, matter of fact, like if this, if I died today, Hey, I'm happy, man. Everything was great. I, yeah. I don't have any complaints, uh, per se. I mean, I, we all have complaints, but I, I just like life is good. I have, I have no fear of hell. Like really don't believe in hell anyway, but regardless, um, I don't, I feel more at peace. And I think it goes back to what you just said. I feel more integrated and authentic now than ever before, because even when I would preach, I remember it, it was so hard for me, Seth, to, to put together a sermon at the more I was evolving. It was, it was just more and more challenging to find something that I could teach with any kind of conviction. And yeah. it, it, it just was stretching me, uh, to, to finally at the end, I, I just, I told, I told my congregation, I said, guys, I don't believe this anymore. I don't know what to tell you. I said, I still believe that there's a God. I just don't, I just don't believe in the, and I held up the Bible and I'm like, I just don't believe in this version of of God, that this is the only version and this is the one that everybody must follow and we must convert everybody to this. I said, I just, I'm just not there. And therefore I think it's probably a little weird for me to be pastoring an evangelical church when I don't, <laughs> when I don't yeah. subscribe to uh, any of the tenants here. And uh, fortunately, most of the people that were in my church had kind of gone on that journey with me. I mean, they had, they had kind of journeyed with me and were accepting where I was, um, till finally at the end, I, I think I stuck with mainly just teaching some of the words of Jesus and, you know, loving your neighbor and forgiveness and kindness and grace and all the things that, you know, I'm sure you agree with too. Um, not necessarily what they, where they come from or who said them, but just the idea of compassion and caring for the, for those that, you know, need to be cared for and that kind of a thing, you know, that stuff I resonate with. And, and yeah, I think so too, you know, it, it's interesting, too, that um, I feel like if Jesus was hanging with us today, he'd just be irritated. Hey, Seth, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden your phone. It... Oh, I'm sorry. I, we had a little bit of a glitch. Oh, there you are. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, where uh, I, I just sometimes I think. um you know, Christians could sure take a revisit of the best teachings of Jesus Christ and realize that, I mean, yeah, we have to get into the fact that he came to affirm the law, which is a lot of nasty Old Testament stuff. But beyond that, if you look just at, at the philosophy, be charitable, be kind, take care of the disadvantaged, don't be proud, don't be cruel. You know, yeah. there's a lot that we can extract from that. And, um, you know, I, I honestly think uh, this sort of culture of white Jesus, people who've got the oil painting of, <laughs> of a Caucasian Jesus who was born in the Middle East, you know, right. I, I think, well, you know, it, I don't think that Jesus would show up here and be all that pleased with what this church is, is trying to, to do these days. And, and uh, you know, beyond all of that, I, th I think if I had an encouragement for anybody, I think that uh, uh, no parent would torture a child for trying to live an authentic, honest, good life on their own terms. And I think that holds to the idea of, of uh, God. And I told this to my father. My father is 86. He's, we're probably going to lose him this summer. He is a devout believer, hugely disappointed in 
in me. That right? was my next like, question. I was going to ask about how your family handled this because I knew they were Christian. <laughs> it's brutal, dude. It's <laughs> just been brutal. Um, but, you know, I tried to make that assurance to dad that, uh, hey, you know, God, any God worth worshiping would see a life lived with integrity and someone genuinely trying to do the right thing and would not punish that. You know, I started with my parents because they're theologian level believers. I mean, they are hard. I mean, they honeymoon. I was conceived in Galilee. Okay. No they shit. Honeymoon, they honeymooned <laughs> in the Holy Land. This is how hardcore they are. They went to Jerusalem and walked the steps of Jesus and they did all. I mean, that's, that was their honeymoon, man. Wow. And uh, my, my mother is the author of a Greek New Testament study guide. And uh, she still teaches New Testament Greek or did before wow. COVID. And, uh, you know, they are hardcore Bible literalist believers, which was the environment I was raised in. So, you know, they jammed us in Christian school and they made sure we attended Christian church. And if we didn't go to church, they'd plop us in front of the television and pound TV preachers into our eyeballs. And, and uh, there was no room for doubt or questions at all. So, yeah, I mean, they're, when I, I finally said I don't buy it, they just went into full freak out mode. I mean, oh they just, God. we failed. You're, you're, uh, you know, you've been misled. The devil has infected you. Um, and then, you know, there were some, some, I, I understand why they did it, but some very unfortunate and cold and even cruel things said that I think sort of fall under that tough love. You know, if we, if we spare him with hell and damnation and, and tell him that he's an embarrassment to the family and all these things, maybe we can bring the prodigal home. We can shame him but, back to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, that's, that was the idea, you know, it, and uh, it's, it cost us a relationship. You know, there was a couple of years where I, I just had to block him on my phone because the, the texts that came in were, were just, crossing of boundaries you know you, mom or dad or no no family member gets permission to inject negativity into your life they might try to give themselves permission they might play the family card right but the truth is is that you know that's not valid no one gets to step over the threshold of my life and invalidate me and so i set a boundary then i'll say look we can agree to disagree on this i'm going to take my own journey but if you insist on blaming and shaming and pulpit pounding and pointing a finger and, and all these things, I'm, I, you're giving me no choice. I'm going to cut this off. And yeah. after that boundary was violated, I, I shut it down. There was a few years. Now it's tentatively open. But underneath all the small talk, there is, uh, there's a huge undercurrent. You ever see Ghostbusters 2 in New York? There was a river of slime under the streets. <laughs> yes. So on the streets, everything, everything looks peaceful, but under the streets, there's this river of, of slime. That's what it's like having dinner with my folks. And I'm in this weird spot, you know, where dad is, I mean, we could lose him next week. We could lose him in the summer. I, I don't know. But when I see him, I get the vibe that he's, he doesn't want to die thinking that his son isn't going to join him in heaven right. and that I might burn in hell. And so here I am trying to assure him, dad, it's okay. Dad, it's going to, and here's the one that cooks my noodles, Timmy. Let's say he's on his deathbed and he's desperate for comfort. He's totally traumatized. If I knew he was not long and he asked me to say the salvation prayer, 
would I go through that motion to give him peace just in his final him. hours? Yeah. And I, part of me thinks the kind, compassionate thing to do might be to, I mean, in that instance, just lie to like sure, do it, just do to it. give him comfort, yeah. you know? And there are some people who flip out when I say that they're like, well, don't you always must be authentic. But part of me thinks, you know, if it harms no one in the moment and it's just him and me and I can give him peace and joy and goodness before he draws his last breath, would that be the humanistic thing to do? I don't know. This is a moral question that I would be interested to see what people have to say about out there in the ether. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I would lean towards what you just said, because I, I think and and this not to bring this discussion into today what you know the mask and no mask you know but i'm wearing my mask for you i mean if i don't have yeah. covid and i'm not sick you know why the fuck am i wearing a mask you know right <laughs> like well because they'd say well you're wearing a mask for me right you you wear the mask for me just like they say well you get the vaccine it's not about your own personal choice of getting a vaccine it's about community it's about others so, yeah. you know, when I think about that context, you know, my, my thing, yeah, I struggle with that because there's one part that's like, you know, what, be authentically you, you know, don't lie for anyone or be, you know, whatever. But then there's this other compassionate part of me that kind of got riled up while you were saying that. And I just, in my mind thought, yeah, I'd just pray the center prayer with him just, you know, for his peace of mind. And then because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't actually save no. you. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just words. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting situational. And, and I think at the end of the day, it comes back to what's, what's compassionate. Like, you know, and I really feel like that we as human beings have, we, we have throughout our history, we've had the aberrations, we've had the warlike people, we've had the sociopaths, the violence, the murderers, you know, the horrible examples. But largely, I really do see out there, the people are good. We, we evolved to realize that when we cooperate, it's better for us, we're safer, we're better at procuring resources, we have sort of evolved kind of a, a pleasure mechanism because of it to help promote, promote cooperative behavior. And I, I think goodness for its own sake is a thing. Yeah. So, you know, I will often say to believers, if you realized that if you, you know, if you discovered tomorrow that Jesus didn't exist and that uh, the Bible was false, how many people would you rape and murder and and how many, how much would you steal? And of course their first response is, well, well, I would not ever do that. And I think it's because they are innately already good. They have right. a good core. And so when we think about things in terms of what's, what's the compassionate and kind and generous thing to do, you know, I think those things exist far beyond any holy books and dogmas. And, and when we have these conversations about how do I alleviate suffering, how do I give someone some goodness, especially when the time is critical like that, right. I think this is part of the human condition and it does give me some hope out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, have, had, have your folks allowed for any, like honest, open conversations. I, before I you answer that, my family is also highly fundamental. The Bible is exactly what it said. You know, Jesus, God wrote it. It you know very fundamental. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and they're they genuinely. My dad with tears in his eyes, and and they were genuine tears. You know, he just cried and said that he just wants me to be in heaven with him. And you know, and uh, you know, and I, inside I'm wanting to laugh, which is terrible. But it's like I because I'm like. 
yeah, you're acting like something's <laughs> a fact when it's not a fact, you know, it's, it's yeah. what you believe and I'm okay with you believing it, but just because you believe it to be true for you doesn't mean that I'm going to believe it to be true for me. And it's such an unknown, you know, is there a heaven? Nobody fucking knows. Like that's the honest <laughs> truth. Even the, the yeah. preacher on TV, even the, no one knows, but I'm fine with you believing if it brings you some comfort, it helps you be a better person. Fine. Whatever. But just because you yeah. believe it, yeah. I don't need to believe it anyway. So my family's really struggled. They've gotten a little better recently just because I put my foot down and I, I was so upset. I finally just put my foot down and I said, guys, if we can't talk as rational, uh, thinking critical people, and if we can't have an honest, open conversation, uh, realizing that maybe, maybe you're wrong or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, it's just hard. It's just hard to have that conversation. So ha had you, has, have your parents been able to have any kind of just a like all the stuff you brought up to me i'm like yeah those are all great points like i'm, I'm you know i wonder about the same shit <laughs> well it, it's uh you know i have i i don't really let me let me see how i want to phrase this i it's it, it's monumentally rare for an apostate someone who leaves the faith to convince someone who is what we call doxastically closed they are their their doors are shut the walls are fortified they're sending they're not receiving they're, they're not interested you know right. they're the i don't care what you say i'll never change my mind crowd you know right. which is exactly where my parents are they kind of see themselves as the oracles who have all this wisdom and and so they're they're in a defensive posture they're not in a discourse posture and so you know, at first I had this idea that I thought, well, all I have to do is show them all the stuff that I've discovered right. and ring, ring the alarm. And bells. they'll see the light. Yeah, yeah. My mother and father and my siblings and my friends who were all immersed in the church, that we, they will all realize that it's crazy and, and we will, they will slough off this stuff and we will all join hands and there will be confetti falling from the sky and there will be music and joy <laughs> and we will all walk into a more rational world. And, and that just never happens. It, 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 there are extremely few examples. So I don't, I'm not working on them production productive conversations with them on the subject only result in madness and frustration and shouts and pain uh, i am with my dogmatic family now those conversations are really only about boundaries right you know you, you, here is my life here is uh, uh, an authentic and valid life that i'm living on my terms and you i'm not trying to to fix you you do your thing but you don't get to cross boundaries. You know, I, I don't have any illusions. I will ever convince them right. except that I want to convince them that I'm still a good man right. and that my life is valid and that you don't have permission to invalidate me. And so, um, you know, I'm more interested in the people who kind of, they are where I was, you know, they're not satisfied and some of the stuff's not making sense. And they're kind of curious, like what, what does this mean? And, and what do I think? And who am I as a person? And it's funny to me, I'll bet you went through this when you come out of, when you, when you walk away from the life and the person that they tell you to be, you kind of have to like 
reintro like who am I? You you actually oh, need yeah. an introduction. Like what what are my values? What what do I think about this? And what what do I want out of life? And what kind of man am I going to be? And, and it's almost a uh, you take you take this journey, this exploration where you have to become introduced to your authentic self. And it, that was a crazy couple of years for me because I, I, I became aware of how much I thought about the world was filtered through the Bible. Yeah. And once you say, well, you know, if the Bible's not really it. Like if the Bible really is an anonymously written collection of magical stories born of a primitive era, and they didn't really know anything. Of, I mean, they thought the world had corners and there was a, a firmament uh, that was protecting the planet from space water. Right. Like that's the Bible, right? <laughs> right. The donk donkeys spoke Hebrew. That's the Bible. Like right. if I walk away from that, then if I don't believe the Bible's edicts that gay people deserve to be burned alive with sulfur, and I look around and see non-heterosexual animals throughout the animal kingdom, you know, right. is the mallard duck, is the giraffe, is the bottlenose dolphin, I mean, they're, you know, is the bonobo primate, are they all in rebellion against God, or is this just part of nature? Right. Once you do that, it, it becomes a handshake. Hi, I'm Seth. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is... This, Oh, this is what I think about this, and this is way. And I, it took me a couple of years to, uh, to begin to develop my own foundation. You know, what are, what are my values? What do I think? Who am I? And I, I'm more interested in those people who are just now starting the handshake, and want to find out what is it all about, what's true and what's not. That's where my area of focus lies. As far as family, you know, I just, I'm not saying it never happens. But I don't I don't try to convince them. Yeah. I, I have found nothing but frustration and pain and shouts and madness. I instead have made it about boundaries and trying to celebrate what we do have in common. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that. Yeah. I, I have um, told my folks, I said, listen, guys, I, I love you. I really do. You're my parents. You brought me into this world. Um, I know that you feel responsible or accountable <laughs> for whatever, yeah. you know, cause that's what the Bible told you to, to do, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I, I need you to stop trying to save me. Like I, I just stop trying to save me. Just love me. Just accept me, you know? And I finally, I'll never forget this conversation. And cause I was screaming at this point, I was just, I had, I had had all that I could have and I was ready to like walk away and just say, I don't want to have anything to ever do with you guys. If this is what it's going to be every time we interact, but I yeah. finally, at the top of my voice, I screamed, if I want to go to hell, let me fucking go to hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's your life. It's you know? right. It's, it's it, not, I want to do it. It's, it's Well, you know, it, it, it's an interesting examination. You could often hear it in help. And how parents talk to their children. They'll say, this is not how we raised you. Oh, God. And I've I, heard I, that so many I, times. I, 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 I get that. Like, you know, we taught you to look both ways before you cross the street. Don't steal candy from the candy aisle. Uh, say please and thank you. You know, those types of things. But if you look at this is not how we raised you in terms of people trying to replicate their own belief system. They are really taking autonomy away from you. They're saying you're a reflection of us. You're going to sound like us. You're going to vote like us. You're going to worship like us. You're going to live like us or else. And, uh, you know, I, I find that's extremely tragic. And I think it's one of the reasons that we need to be speaking out against it 
in the hopes of perhaps making this journey a little easier for other people who come after us. Yeah. You know, because you see a lot of this naming, blaming, and shaming going on. I, it comes from a, an authentic place in many ways. I mean, your parents, my parents, are genuinely terrified right. that the all-loving God is going to burn us forever. And uh, Okay, uh, that makes no sense, but I think if we can you know, if we can help try to defeat that and, and give people permission or remind them that it's okay, maybe 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, it'll be easier for the next round of people. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, 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 I just think, um, yeah, I just want my, I, I, I want my parents to see me, not the label, but the man. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't had a whole lot of success, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't need their permission. I, I, I've come to the point, it sounds terrible, but I, I don't need mom and dad to tell me who I am. I don't right. need them to, to validate me. I, I, I know that I have value and that my life is good and, and, uh, I'm going to continue to live. And again, if God shows up tomorrow, whoever she is, I want to know that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I know that the, the journey of finding myself has been uh, huge. I don't know if it's my age. I don't know if, you know, midlife crisis, you know, divorce. I mean, there's so many different things that being an empty nester, uh, there was like really a culmination of, of things that literally hit me, hit me at one time. I mean, the death of my sister, my younger sister of a drug overdose, my, you know, my grandfather, his death. And then my, my theological perspective just changing drastically and then, and then going through a divorce after a 25 year marriage, so many different things that I literally looked in the mirror and I'm like, who the fuck am I? Like, what do I believe? And I had this identity, right? I was an evangelical pastor. Like that was my identity. Like I'm a pastor. I mean, I'm even you know known in, in Kansas city as pastor Timmy and I'm trying to fucking get that you know, I've taken it off all my websites. I've, you know, I've tried so hard to get that taken off there. Um, you know, cause I'm an officiant now I, I officiate weddings and I do it as just yeah. a, a spiritual person rather than a, a Christian per se. But anyway, and so, yes, I even have tattooed on my neck, uh, behind my ear running down my neck from Socrates. It says, know thyself. And I've yeah. been on a journey of, of, yeah. Who is, Timmy and what does Timmy believe? What's my perspective? What are my thoughts and, and how are my thoughts, um, true to me or, or a reflection of my upbringing? And, and I, I think sometimes I think Christians, I know I did, you, you forget about all your biases and all the lenses that you read things through when people say, well, no, I'm just reading the Bible as is like, no, you're not, you're not. Because the, if that was true, then every theologian, every scholar would see that shit the same. And the fact is no one sees it the same. Everybody reads it different, interprets it different, explains it different, pulls out different parts and pieces. So clearly, oh, yeah. look, uh, you know, the idea that human beings had to get together almost 2000 years ago and hold cast votes on which books should be included <laughs> in the Bible, right? Well, wait, 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 why, why are we voting? Why are you, the same species that screwed up everything else on the planet is <laughs> voting to determine which, you know, I, I don't get that. Uh, the, I, throw 50 apologists in the room, right? 50 quote unquote Christian experts in a room 
And just ask them the basic. Is uh, heaven and hell literal? What's hell? Is it fire? Is it uh, annihilation? Is it separation? Do you baptize by immersion? Is it dabbing with oil? Is it water? Do you baptize at the age of accountability or as a baby? Uh, you know, do you get Holy Spirit when you accept Jesus? Or is that a separate prayer? Is speaking in tongues for today or for yesterday? I mean, just ask them the basics and watch Thunderdome break out. These people can agree on the basics of their faith. And I think that alone is a good reason to continue to, to question the veracity and the authenticity of these, uh, these stories. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, another question. So we've got about three minutes before i got to go to a commercial break. But I, I, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things that have come up lately just during the, I think during the pandemic and, and the, the New York Times article, I think back in what, 2017, 18, 19, whatever, about the UFOs and aliens and all that shit. That's been, you know, kind of coming up, which is funny because I, I had someone asked me, how would my, which at this point, my theolog theological perspective has changed so much that it wouldn't impact it at all. But I I've wondered how, if we do, if the perseverance Rover finds life on Mars, how does that translate? Right. If, if God's only the God of earth, like then who the fuck is God of Mars, <laughs> you know, or, or if we end up finding life on other planets, which most everyone, I mean, even Neil deGrasse Tyson recently said that it would be un, it would be, uh, what was the word he said? Basically like it would be surprising if there isn't life out there. Like if we're the only ones, that'd be just crazy. So the, the idea of there being life on another planet. And so my thought and question is like, well, what, what's their religion? What's their fucking faith? Like what, what, how do they think you get saved? <laughs> do, yeah. do they have yeah. a Bible? Do they have to walk the Romans road? And like, is, you know, it's such a great question. If, you know, first of all, why would God create hundreds of billions of galaxies in this vast universe and then make one little rock the center of his focus? And if he didn't, if there is life, of course, we have no idea what that looks like. It's probably like nothing we expect. But, you know, is the, you know, was there an Adam and Eve? Was there a master plan on that planet? It's such a good question. And um, I don't know. I, I remember when I first started to ask those questions. You know, what if I am living on this speck in the middle of a universe that may not care if I exist? Um, you know, that that robs a lot of people of a feeling of specialness. Right. Oh, I wasn't created as uh, by a divine king and adopted into his family to go on a divine quest with an eternal reward and get a crown and jewels and mansions. Maybe I'm not that special. That's, you know, that that is the position of a lot of people. But I, what I didn't expect when I walked away from this idea that the universe cares about me is that it's still amazing to be alive. What a tremendous privilege to yeah. draw breath, to feel the sun on our faces, to be able to love and experience love. And this notion that it doesn't last forever, so it's worthless, why bother? To me, it's just stupid. Like, yeah. why did something, my favorite piece of music has a final note. It's still beautiful. My favorite meal has a final bite. It's still delicious. I love someone who dies before I do. That's temporary, but they were still worth loving. Yeah. And in many ways, life makes every moment more critical live life to the fullest because there may be no tomorrow and i've always found that compelling so seth we man we're, we're talking this is uh, by the way 
it's great to catch up with you. It's been like forever. I think we kind of recently, uh, or somewhat recently, a couple of years ago connected, I think, because I kind of quit the church and stumbled across this, this atheist podcast. And I'm like, well, that's, that's like, that's weird. That guy's voice sounds really familiar. And then I'm like, I look at the name. I'm like, Seth Andrews, like, wait a fucking minute. And so I text you and you're like, yeah, it's me. I'm like, holy shit. Well, it's funny too. You're the, I think you and I have the kind of personalities and the kind of relationship where, you know, you, you know, those people where you may not see them for 15 years. And when you get together, it's effortless. Yeah. Like you just start, you know, so that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. I really enjoy the, that kind of chemistry. So yeah, I do to too. Here, yeah, man. Absolutely. So going down that, that road of the, the life on other planets and all of that, I'm, I'm curious. So I've been on such a journey. I've, I've been, I don't consuming, I guess is the right word insatiable <laughs> books and, and videos and, and seminars. And, and, you know, I tried to watch a little bit of that uh, ancient alien stuff and, and, and it was very intriguing, but I'm like, okay, that fucking is nutty. But there's some of it, you know, you're like, whoa. So there's a few things that I'm curious where you are as an atheist, because some of these things do seem crazy. So my personal philosophy and this could change tomorrow. I personally believe that it's been circular or we've come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. This is just kind of where I'm at in my own journey. I, I, yeah. I think that when we say, you know, humans were on the earth uh, X amount of years ago and da, 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 I think with as old as the, the planet is where it was six, whatever, 14 billion, whatever it is. Uh, I think that we've been an advanced civilization and we've been destroyed by some cataclysmic event. And then, you know, the, the hunter gatherer types are the ones that were able to survive that. And then we've come back and come back. I just read that book sapiens and I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Uh, he's an atheist and he, he wrote the book called sapiens. It's about human history. And he talks a lot about that at one point in, in our history, there were around, I think seven to 10 species of human. So, Neanderthal, you know, Denisovans, Homo erectus, yada, yada, yada. And then there's a separate species, which is the Homo sapiens, us. And it, it was just, honestly, I was like, well, I never read that in the fucking Bible. <laughs> like, wait, what the yeah. heck? And so it really just opened my mind to go, wait a minute. So Adam and Eve, so wait a minute. Like it just all of a sudden, none of the stuff in the Bible was making sense because I'm thinking, well, the Bible never mentions other species like you have poodles and you have golden retrievers and you have uh, pomeranians you have all these different species of dogs they're dogs but they're totally completely different and i did not know that like that and i i feel ignorant saying that out loud but i did not realize there were so many different species of humans that died out or were <laughs> we killed them one of the two uh it's a little bit unknown how they how they actually perished um, and how that, how that works with evolution, you know, that we're, I don't know. Does that make sense? I, I, it's just, a, it's a fascinating journey to understand. I don't understand evolution all the, all the way. And I find it, I find some of it to be a little hard for me to grasp a hundred percent that we were in the water and then we flopped out of the water and we're like, Oh, great. Since we're out of the water now, we, we should probably grow lungs and Oh gosh. And yeah, since we're out yeah. of the water and can't move around without legs, we should grow legs like that. 
does, and I'm saying it comically because that's how I view I it kind of comic. I'm like, that seems fucking far fetched. I would be no. more if it if an alien appeared and said, "Yeah, we seeded this planet a hundred thousand years ago." I'd be like, "Aha! Now that <laughs> fucking makes sense." Yeah. Well, you know, I, I went through a little bit of the same journey, and of course, my education continues. I'm not an evolutionary biologist. I just, you know, when I came out of uh, Bible belief, I began to, you know, become introduced to the science of evolution and. I think it really a lot of it is adaptation to survive and reproduce. And so, you know, I think if you look even down to our genetic code, we see that we not only share commonalities with all living animals, but we also, and this blew my mind, we, our DNA also shows commonality with plant life, like all life is connected. And we as human beings have a, it's impossible for us to really think in terms of billions of years and you know i have a hard time remembering what happened last week or right. 10 years ago or any of those things <laughs> but this idea of you know if we see um life that is adapting and evolving to survive and reproduce and what that means you know you but what's most interesting to me is that when we look back through the records that we have you can see examples of evolution in nature. You know, you can see like the eye, which is a great argument that like, you know, the apologists like to say, well, the eye is too complex to have evolved. But if we look even throughout the animal kingdom, you'll see there are animals that have the most basic sort of these photosensitive cells that operate as kind of a vague eye. And then you see a more focused eye. You see the various stages of the evolved eye throughout nature. Uh, we see, uh, you know, commonalities of, you know, there are hip bones in quails. Well, this makes no sense unless whales evolved from an animal that was once land-based. You know, there's a lot, of, there's a great speech that I actually videoed from uh, a world-renowned biologist uh, or a geologist and um, paleontologist. His name is Dr. Donald Prothero. And he just walks through human evolution. He shows that that you know how we are connected we're 99.8 percent chimpanzee if you look at our g our dna i mean all the all these primates and again that's terrifying to a lot of people it sounds ridiculous i ain't no monkey my granddaddy wasn't no monkey kind of kind of an argument pops sure. in but when i was a believer i was uninterested in going any further i just puffed it off but when you get into it you realize well actually you know humankind we are were higher primates and humans and chimpanzees had a monkeys we had a common ancestor all these years ago and and we have essentially evolved in this amazing way and, and i think that's a journey that i just encourage people to take as i take it um you know we we have seen a tremendous um sort of dismantling of the opposition to evolution in the fossil record. We see transitional fossils. We see the Tiktaalik, which is actually the walking fish. It was land-based and it was ocean-based. It did both. And we see the development of limbs to survive and reproduce on land. I mean, this is so complex. It's so right, heavy, right. but it's also, it's also fascinating. And I just would hate to see anyone, including myself ever, like give up and say, well, that's stupid. That makes no sense. Right. It sounds weird. Yeah. But, you know, if we look even down to our genetic code, we see that evolution, evolution is certainly a lot more substantiated than the idea that we came from a dirt man and a rib woman in a garden with talking animals. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I definitely don't believe in Adam and Eve as the first two uh, humans for sure. The, the one thing that, that, you know, again, in my little ignorant monkey mind, like I can't, I can't, I can't impregnate a monkey. Right. I, I couldn't sleep with a monkey and, and impregnate, which it's, it's like, okay, well that's interesting. Cause dog species can, you know, like they can, a, a poodle could fuck a golden retriever. Well, it'd be difficult, but it, it try <laughs> and, and impregnate. Right. Cause they're the same species. So that, that's always something that has fascinated me. And maybe that's again, my, my Christian upbringing that has put these certain things in my mind. Cause I, I believe in evolution. I, I definitely believe in evolution hundred percent. Uh, for the most part, there's just parts of it that I don't understand, which, you know, I've watched enough evolution stuff where they've even said, well, yeah, we don't have it all figured out either. I mean, we, we know what we know. And then there's other things that we just don't know. Um, and, and, and I appreciate that because it's like, uh, yeah, like that there's so, there's so many things that don't make sense. Like where are the, the in between the monkey and the humans, where are those people? And again, I'm sure there's an answer for that. I just, I've never studied that. Uh, but that's, that comes up in my mind. If I can jump in quickly, it's, you, you mentioned when we, as and by the way, we, we have, there have been a lot, there's a lot of work that shows sort of the, the um, the evolution of primates toward the human primate. And you can actually see it on our skulls. You can see it in the way our teeth are formed, et cetera. Sure. But beyond all of that, to be able to say, I don't know, like you know, where did the first cell come from? This is the abiogenesis right. argument that we don't know the answer. Like, you know, how did the first, how was the, how, what started the universe 13 point or 14 billion years ago? Right. Who fed and, the breastfed the first baby? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, we coming out of a culture where you, we're not having the answer is weakness or it's scary or whatever, you know, like when we were in school, it's off. It's crazy how often our, our schools, they kind of conditioned us when our hands, we were called on and they said, do you know the answer? We were taught to be terrified if we didn't know. Like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm ignorant. I'm, I, I, I screwed up. I should know this. But I think if we're to live honest lives, there are many times when we have to just look and honestly say, I have no idea. Hey, Seth, if you don't believe in God, how did the universe come into being? <laughs> well, how did it start? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I have no idea. You don't know either. I would like to know. I think we need to pursue knowledge. But the honest answer is, I don't know. It doesn't mean we stop asking questions or pursuing the answer. But, you know, there's a real liberation. Hey, Seth, how did this happen? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. And once we allow ourselves to do that and not feel stupid or weak or in rebellion against God for saying it, I mean, that opens up a whole nother world where you can follow the breadcrumbs wherever they lead. Yeah. There's a, someone asked me, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had this conversation with people, you know, what era would you want to live in? And I, I think they thought I was going to say the roaring twenties and, <laughs> and, I, and they, I kind of threw them off. Cause I said, you know what? I'd want to go back about a million years and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I would want to know and experience life on this planet a million years ago. What was it like what yeah. was being taught what was believed what was the what was the thing right and i even think this about the future i've thought this many days in even in a thousand years but let's go ten thousand years if we're still here 
or if the world's still here, what, what are we believing, right? If we end up colonizing Mars, like will, will earth go away? And then all of a sudden everybody thinks that Mars is where it began. And there was a guy that fucking had his <laughs> pulled from the dust of Mars. The red dust was put together and then fucking formed a dude. And then, you know, earth is like this long forgotten <laughs> thing and i'm probably yeah. you're like timmy wow you've been thinking a lot i just no no i just when i think about what what era would i want to go back to a hundred percent i'd want to go back a million years i would want to know what was going on then because i i'm so fascinated by like the pyramids um again you yeah. know i watch too many episodes of ancient aliens you know <laughs> but like i'm just so fascinated like how the fuck did they build those things and the technology, it's, and I still don't know what we, we don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of videos on how they think they built them, but the reality is they don't fucking know. And they're, they're yeah. still, it's an amazing wonder that they were able to do that quote unquote, possibly without the tools that we have today, but yet it would require if we were going to build those pyramids today we would have to use the tools that we have today lasers and computers and all of that to even get it remotely close to that so i do find that a mystery unless there's something i don't know that's a yeah. mystery no 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 and and life is full of them and i think uh the uh, the, the one pledge i've made is that i if there is a blank, I want to seek to try to fill it in wherever I can. But if I can't, it's just going to have to stay a blank. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just don't know. I mean, I've seen the theories and there's one person who was talking about how they may have used wind power to to lift the large blocks. And, you know, there's all these. Who, <laughs> who knows how they did it? Who knows how they did it? I mean, the Egyptians were such an advanced civilization for their time. That's another great example, too, of like, you know, and I think a great reputation to the Jesus story. Right. When Jesus showed up supposedly 2000 years ago, he didn't show up in Egypt or China where people could already read and write. The people were already literate. Right. He showed up in a largely illiterate part of the Middle East, you know, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love I love these types of questions. and. If if you don't start with well Jesus did it, you know <laughs> now 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 all bets are off. Now every day's a discovery. Now it's all an opportunity to try to you know everything is like a mystery that we can perhaps potentially solve. Let's go and work toward that end. It just I think it opens up our whole worlds. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm I'm definitely fascinated and become more curious. There was something about the transition of letting go of the Bible as you know uh the the word of god when, when i finally let go of that it was like the world opened up to me it, it's okay have you ever seen that movie the village oh yeah okay so i that's what my life was i felt like i lived in the village and they said hey outside the village <laughs> you know there's monsters and they're gonna get you and it's like you you left the, the you got through the woods you got to the other side and you're like Holy fuck. I'm in Dallas. I'm in Dallas, <laughs> Texas. There's like a whole world out here. And, and like you mentioned earlier, I think when we first started talking a few things that were shocking to me was to meet people who did not go to church and they were great people. That, that was shocking to me because I thought, yeah. you know, there were, there was us and them. There were those in the church and you know, that was the saved and the lost 
there were two types of people and that's what it was. And when I started experiencing what was contrary to that, that, wow, I've met people that have been married for 30 years and they're atheist. How the fuck? I thought God held marriages together. What the fuck is happening here? You know, and, and it just soon. And of course I spent 30 years as an evangelical pastor. I saw that people in the church and out of the church were the same, the exact same people in the church have addictions. People out of the church have addictions. People in the church do whatever and people out of the church do whatever. I mean, it, it, people are the same. And I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson that talked about in one of his books, how, what would convince him or at least give him pause that there is some kind of a, a benevolent or personal God would be to see a substantial difference with those that claim to know this God to those that don't meaning, yeah. you know, nine uh, 11 would have only killed people that weren't Christians and, and only non-Christian children get cancer. And, you know, if there was some kind of thing like that, well, yeah, I mean, that would, that would give me pause to go, wow. Okay. Well, there does seem to be some, solid evidence that believing in this God translates into a better life. But I have a real good friend of mine who's a therapist, been a therapist for 25 years, who used to be an evangelical Christian and no longer is, uh, still would consider himself spiritual. He said the most fucked up people he's ever counseled uh, are evangelical Christians. Yeah. Well, I think we, we see that people are people, you know, it's, I wrote about this in my autobiography that calamity affects believers just as much as it affects non-believers. You know, they're struck down in car accidents. They end up with cancer. They have uh, their children, you know, taken from them and, and uh, they, they face the same challenges that, that the rest of us face. And, and, you know, I, I also find it interesting too, that, you know, believers, they pray for healing, but they pay for doctors. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Right. right? Yep. I mean, and, and I think the, then there becomes a kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it, it's ironic for me to say, dear Lord, we ask that you guide the hands of the surgeon or God, we ask that the chemotherapy will do its work today. You know, we, we yeah. see a lot of nonsensical type of stuff that happens, but largely, you know, people who are believers are living with the rest of us as human beings in the real world, you know, they click their seatbelts and load their handguns and they hold, they have health insurance policies and they, you know, they are operating as if, well, they got to look out for themselves. And I think we have to look out for each other. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, there's a t-shirt I like that says, I think we all need to pursue a personal relationship with reality and whatever that is, you know, whatever, let's just live honestly and truthfully and let's, uh, let's do our best to try to tap in what's real. You know? Yeah. Well, I got one, one final question, maybe to lead into a little bit of a uh, conversation. Do you believe that either believing in a God or religion in general is, is it a good thing? You know, was it necessary in the beginning? Do you think it, it had some good parts and now it's not as necessary. I know there's many atheists that believe that, you know, Christianity or religion is no longer necessary in this day and age. Where are you all? Where are you on that? Well, I, it's funny. We've done a lot of explorations on the show about the utility of religion. There's a, an author and psychiatrist named Dr. Andy Thompson that talks about in our earlier, more primitive years, you know, religions had a lot of utility 
in creating tribal bonds among people who weren't bio family. You know, you could, again, when we tried to survive by ourselves out on the African savanna, we were pretty much easy meat for a predator. We had a hard time grabbing resources. Survival is just much harder if you're trying to go it alone. But in groups and communities, that's when we are safer. That's when we are more apt to be able to feed our, our faces and, and be safe and survive and evolve and reproduce and carry on as human beings. And I think religions had a lot of utility for bonding people together. I think religions were one of our first explanations for the things we didn't understand, right? If we saw somebody who had an epileptic fever or a seizure, we didn't know anything about brain science. We figured it was probably what some force, some force out there. Uh, we didn't understand uh, everything from natural disasters to disease to any of these other things. We didn't understand germ theory. We were largely a species wallowing in ignorance. And I think we created explanations because human beings do not like not knowing, right? right. Again, we hate saying, I don't know. And so we looked around at, the, at this universe and thought, wow, there's, you know, the gods must be angry or the gods have blessed us with a good harvest or the gods, the gods, the gods. And I think, you know, it alleviates the fear of death because that's scary for a lot of people. Religion has a lot of usefulness in that way. But I think the more we know, the less we have a need for any of that type of stuff. You know, we, we can see ourselves as the human tribe instead of these little pods of religious tribes. We we don't have to believe that we were created in a garden and that our ancestors, uh, you know, ate from a tree and all those other things <laughs> that it's been Christianity. We, we don't have to, you know, we, we don't have to hold to the ideas of people who didn't know as much that as we do. You know, we know the earth is not flat. We know that that the the cosmos is not just a blanket of pinhole stars above our, our eyes. We know that there is no firmament and and uh, you know we know that if somebody has an epileptic seizure it's because of a brain abnormality not because that a demon is inside them and and i think the more we understand the less we have to rely on unsubstantiated or even debunked claims and often i think that relates to religion now, i don't think people need to hold a, a religious belief to have all the good stuff in life yeah and, uh, you know, it, I, I have really no problem with somebody who they believe they want to believe in an afterlife or they think there's a heaven and they want to be reunited or they want to be live again in some way. I think that's hey, whatever, whatever helps you deal. If um, if uh, belief in God makes you happier, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Sure. My biggest problem is when people weaponize religion to try to establish privilege and discriminate against other people. Right. And, um, you know, the othering of people we have seen, you know, we've got people who were like, it's us versus them. It's in group, out group. The out group is evil. We are righteous and good. You know, that's when I begin to engage. But if somebody holds a personal, independent, uh, thoughtful, religious belief, I wouldn't I would never begrudge them that. With only the encouragement that keep asking questions, keep kicking the tires, uh, and you know if whatever's true, let's do that. You right. know wherever the evidence wherever the evidence leads, let's go there. And any God worthy, and any religious claim worthy, will survive all of our questions. You know, just live an authentic life. That's the encouragement I give people. Yeah, there's no doubt. I I am uh, 
a seeker of truth. You know, and I remember yeah. even growing up as a Christian that, that, you know, that the truth will set you free. And, and it's funny that the more I've gotten away from the Bible, I'm like feeling more free. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's an, it's a weird thing because I, I even told my parents this, I said, guys, I, I said, I, I'd want you to know that I'm earnestly seeking the truth. Now I know that what, yeah. you know, you think the Bible is the ultimate truth of all truth. I said, but when I say what's true, meaning if, if aliens seeded this planet, whatever, millions of years ago, because we humans were actually on some other planet, some other solar system, and we were shot down here because that planet was getting ready to die out. If that's true, I would, that's what I'm seeking. If, you know, if it was created by God or if there is no God, all I want is the truth, not a belief, yeah. not faith, not blind fucking faith. No. What is actually factually true? That's what I'm after and what I am pursuing. Uh, will I ever find it? I have no idea. Um, but that's what I'm seeking. Yeah. I think that's a, a great way to live. Let's just, whatever's true, let's do that. Whatever, you know, and if we don't know, let's be honest about it and let's continue to, to uh, take the journey as honestly as we can. And I, I feel like there's so much goodness in that model. There's so much worth and we can assign our own sense of purpose in that model. It's not a cheat yeah. not to be told by somebody else, the parameters by which you live your life. I think yeah, it's your life is yours. Live it on your terms and, and all my best to you. Yeah, I love that. All right. One last question. As an atheist, then is death lead to just a cessation of life? Like that's it? Yeah, I, I don't see any evidence that there is an afterlife. I, you know, I feel like that when we die, um, you know, the matter of our bodies is just kind of reassimilated into the earth and, you know, into the cosmos. Ultimately, I, yeah. I have seen no no evidence that we will go to a place with pearly gates and streets of gold. And, you know, if there if there is an afterlife, you know, I remember Christopher Hitchens said, you know, I, I, I do like surprises. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I love that. I mean, if if, uh, you know, if there's if there's a posthumous existence, OK, cool, I, I, because I don't hold to a heaven or hell, whatever that looks like. I'd be curious about it uh, at this point, though not seeing the evidence that we continue on or reincarnation or we get a new spirit body or whatever that story is. I think it makes each moment here all the more critical, you know, Absolutely. seize the day, carpe diem, say the words, do the deeds, set the goal, pursue the dream, love who you love on your terms, because there may be no tomorrow. Absolutely. Seth Andrews, it was a pleasure talking to you. So real quick for all the listeners, uh, what's your podcast? How can they stay connected? And and hear more about your stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I've got uh, two main hubs. You can find me easy. Uh, the uh, website itself that I host the community is called The Thinking Atheist. You can go to thethinkingatheist.com, and my personal website is sethandrews.com, and all the hookups and links and everything are right there. Good. Well, brother, so, seriously, thank you for coming on my podcast, and uh, it's good catching up with you. I'm, I'll. Are you in Tulsa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm still I'll, I'll have to hit you up. I'm supposed to go there and visit some friends that are getting elderly. And so I'm going to go visit them and I'll, I'll look you up when I, before I go so we can maybe grab a lunch. It shall be, as it is written, it shall be done. The prophecy That's right. shall, be, uh, <laughs> shall be brought to pass my brother. Oh man. Thank you. Have a good one, brother. I appreciate it.